All right, and we're back once again with the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs, whether it's the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, or also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. I cannot thank you enough for listening to us. Also, cannot thank enough to everybody out there that's listening to us on the RTF Sports Network. Check out all the great sports programming today at rtfsportsnetwork.com. Plus also the Discover Community Network. Cannot thank everyone there, including Troy, doing a great job with all the stuff that you're doing all over the world with the Discover Community Network and cannot thank enough for being a part of it. (sighs) Great weekend turned into a big letdown. And you know what? I don't want to say I told you so, but I did tell, and actually was on the air, I did say that there would be a letdown because you have two huge games on Friday and Sunday against the two best teams in the NBA. And, you know, when you have all that emotion built up and you're not in a finals or playoff situation where you're facing the same team at best four out of seven, you have a tendency and you see on the schedule, uh, you know, a much lesser team in record-wise, you have a tendency to let down as human beings. This is not something that is just one sports team or another. It's It's just a human thing to do after you have that amp up for for uh, you know two three days like they did and unfortunately it happened i just told you know as i said on the air to laker tom i said that they would only have you know you would see a sluggish first half i didn't foresee it being the entire four quarters but it did and unfortunately the lakers did lose 104 to 102 to the brooklyn nets anthony davis could not get uh that three-pointer at the last second to go ahead and hit and you know what the lakers put themselves in that situation with careless turnovers the issue all the issues that seemed to rear their head in their losses came to a head but there is still more to talk about including the great weekend some other serious issues as well and of course to talk to about it me to uh and of course to talk about it with me today is a good man indeed you got to check out what he's doing with his good friends big hoss and Jason Dutch on Voice from the Underground, the podcast. Catch it all or catch it everywhere you can where you know where you get your podcasts. It is a good man indeed, Mr. TJ Johnson. TJ, I'm just so glad to have you back. I'm hoping everybody is healthy out there where you are, and I'm just continued health and prosperity to you and your family. Hey, Amen, brother. I appreciate that. You know, uh, I, I <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think I, I probably do this one more than I do Voice from the Underground right now just because oh. of the time those guys record, man. We record so late. I know. I, 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 hey, so early. It's, it's crazy, Jason. <laughs> what can I say? It's crazy, Jason Dutch. But, uh, you know, you – we will go into the whole seriousness enough uh, on the other side of, of this podcast. I want to go ahead and just talk about the upfronts right now. I mean, you had a chance to see the great games this weekend and also yeah. the letdown this past yeah. Wednesday. I spoke at length with Laker Tom about my thoughts on LeBron's performance, 80s performance, and the rest of the team and how they came together for those two games and to show everyone out there in the NBA exactly how good the Lakers are and how good they match up against the best teams in the NBA. But I want you to go ahead and talk into your own words, how that experience was like for you for both those games. And then unfortunately how it led into Wednesday's loss against the Nets as well. Well, I I didn't get a chance to listen to your, to your show prior to, but I'd have to imagine, I'd have to imagine that you said something to the effect of how awesome those wins were, but Keep in mind and keep in perspective that with such magnificent wins, with such pro, uh, uh, heart racing, emotional 
just intense wins that there's going to be a letdown at some point, right? I'd imagine that that's something that you said. Well, it's just human nature. It's just the exactly. way we are human nature. There's always a come down. Exactly. Exactly. So with that being said, um, I too was extremely excited about the game against the Bucks, 113 to 103. Um, then you top that off with the game against those Clippers and you beat them too, 112 to 103. So it's like, all right, we, we got some momentum going now. We're, we're starting to finally, we're starting to finally garner the respect that our roster should have been given from jump. Now we already were guaranteed to make the playoffs. I mean, everybody, I don't think there was any NBA analyst or any NBA pundit who barring any injury didn't expect the Lakers to be in the playoffs. I don't know if they expected us to be the number one seed in the play in the West going into the playoffs, um, but they expected us to make the playoffs. So that wasn't anything new, but I think what's starting to happen now is that we we're legit title contenders now, but we are like the title contender now. Like uh, I think they've finally taken over in the power rankings, the number one spot from the Clippers. Um, so we are now. That's the... only the athletic. I mean, the ESPN. They're still number two. Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know mm-hmm. Laker Tom was just like, "What?" And, and yeah. yeah, right Surprise. now they're still number two. Surprise! So... I know. I'm. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, mean, I hear you. I hear you. I, I think that. they should have been number one, but you know, at this point in time, it's just all conjecture at this point. Yeah. I just. We just the message was sent loud and clear. Absolutely, to the rest we're of the here. NBA. The That's Lakers right. were considered by many of these pundits a distant number three, mm-hmm. and they are right yeah. in the mix. And it's all That's about right. matchups. It's all about yeah. how it is in game, the decision making by the coaches, mm-hmm. the you know the chess match that goes on. Whoever makes the right decisions between any of these three teams is going to be the victor, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's exactly what it boils down to. It's about decision making. It's about who, the the coaching. It's about matchups, as you mentioned. Um, so in 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 those games, I think what we what we got a chance to notice or see from LeBron is him turn it on to a different level. Everybody always kind of just mentions makes the mention that LeBron, he's always consistent, right? He's like a heat pump. He's consistent. He's going to give you a certain amount of points, a certain amount of effort, a certain amount of energy every game. He's also going to know how to coast until getting to the playoffs and then that's when he turns it on similar to like a a playoff rondo but obviously playoff lebron is or lebron is much more consistent than your rajon rondo i'm not comparing the two but just comparing their styles of 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 approaching the seasons right but the thing that we've noticed about lebron and and we've talked about it uh ad nauseum here on lakers fast break podcast we've talked about the fact that lebron has has turned it on from the jump and just doesn't seem to want to relent. He doesn't seem to want to take his foot off the gas, which is awesome, but it's concerning for a uh, 15-year NBA player who's now 35 years of age um, going into his what, 17th? No, 15th year. Right? 15th, no, he's in 17. 17. All right, so yeah, yeah 17th don't, don't year. Don't tell him short, man. Well, that, that just further proves my point. His 17th season in the NBA, leading the league in assists, uh, as a lead uh, as a front runner i shouldn't say front runner but it's up there in the mvp can, uh, candidacy uh, he's just playing inspired phenomenal basketball and at the tender age of 35 like this guy is still doing it and he's still putting everybody else on notice that this is still my game until i give it up i'm very similar to what a michael jordan did um in the late 90s uh, mid to late 90s just still letting people know hey this is still my game this is this is what i do this is my team this is this is how i get down so Watching these games, seeing LeBron kind of turn it on and seeing LeBron do what all of us have expected LeBron to do, but he just didn't seem to want to do it at first. He started, he, he kind of started to settle for a jump shot in the beginning of this season, right? He, he was very much a jump shooter or very much becoming a jump shooter. He's still shooting a great clip from the floor, um, but he seemed to want to prove that he has a jump shot. 
And my thing about him proving that he has a jump shot is this. That's great. That's phenomenal that you have a jump shot. That's one more weapon to add to your arsenal. He's got this three-point shot now. I don't know where it came from, but he's got a three-point jumper now hitting 35-foot three-point shots. Uh, I don't expect him to do that on a consistent basis, uh, but the fact that he can do it, that's just another weapon that he has. It's just awesome to see these different layers of his game continue to evolve and continue to add on to what he's already got. However, in doing that, I just did not want to see LeBron lose what made LeBron LeBron. And that was being a freak of nature, being able to essentially uh, place his will on whatever he wanted to do as far as getting to the paint. If he makes the decision to get to the basket, there's nobody in the league that can stop him. And he made that abundantly clear over this last weekend with Giannis, with Kawhi, anybody that they put in front of him, LeBron has no problem getting to the rack at will and i want it I, I i was excited because he didn't let people forget that i think i started to forget it because of how you know he's he's kind of sort of more into jump shots he's kind of sort of more into this little fade away from 15 that he's got the little one-legged fade away, fade away that he does and the little back to the basket turnaround fade. like he, he's got these other arsenals of moves now that he's been working on very similar to what kobe bryant did very similar to what michael jordan did towards the twilight of their careers as far as just making it go a little bit longer I was just concerned that he was leaning on that too much this weekend. He still, he showed those, he still showed those jump shots. He still showed the turnaround. He still showed the fadeaway, but he also took it to the rack and did so a reckless abandon. And it was exciting to see. It was inspired basketball. I remember I was at a uh, restaurant with my wife and uh, my, my in-laws and right before the Lakers Clippers game, they showed the Christmas day game. Now the Lakers lost that game. Um, <laughs> and so we're watching that and I'm looking at it and it's just this other guy at the bar watching it. And he says, is that the game? I said, it better not be. I, I can't see my Lakers lose right like that right now. Like, no, this is the, this is the Christmas Day game. But he said, well, I don't know if they're going to be able to get past the Clippers this time. And you see what happened right there. And I said, well, we're going to find out. And lo and behold, Avery Bradley, I don't know where he got where he got it from, but he just went off. <laughs> I don't think anybody anticipated Avery Bradley going off the way that Avery Bradley did. And what's awesome about that is that that shows something that the people have been saying that the Lakers do not really have, and that's depth. They don't have that third scoring option. And on a consistent basis, most people are probably right. They really don't. You've got LeBron, you've got AD. Those are your one and two. Those are your, your, you know that you're going to get your one and two from those two, right? Depending on somebody could be the one one day and number two the other day, and it's okay. We were always concerned with who's going to be that third scoring option. And that third scoring option can either come from Kuzma, can come from Bradley. Um, I don't think Morris is panning out the way people expected him to pan out. But, you know, it's, it's still early. We, we just got him. You know, there's, there's time to uh, become ingratiated in the system. It's not a it's not let's not rush him in. Same thing with Deion Waiters. When he finally plays, let's allow him some time to to get acclimated with the system. And I, I, I hope that he is not as mercurial as he has been in the last couple seasons that he's been with different teams. But, you know, I'm sure uh, you've got thoughts on that, too. But we'll, we'll, we'll say that. We'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> Well, basically, uh, for me, when it comes to Waiters Island and going on to Waiters Island, as long <laughs> as, you know, in the, the last 15 games, you give him some time to go ahead and, like you said, acclimate himself. Plus, Markeith Morris, he needs time to acclimate himself a little bit more. I mean, he's been thrown out there as a small ball five on, on more than one occasion mm-hmm. as a power forward, him and Kuzma. Uh, but it's helped Kuzma because Kuzma is now able to play defense and match up better against guards or forwards that are put mm-hmm. against him. And his defense has improved dramatically over the past few weeks, and especially within that past week. 
the, those two games that were crucial for the Lakers to win, he was a vital part, not because of his shooting, which everybody thought had to be something that he had to get his act together on, but right. his defense, his rebounding, and the other things, the intangibles that we needed him to take care of that we thought he could never be a part of or he could never really do well, especially on the defensive end, because, you know, this time, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were, you know, he was just a joke defensively, that's, you know, pretty much thought of, you know, he was so far down on his defensive rating, but you look at him now, the way he plays defense time in and time again, against some of the better players in the league, mm-hmm. he's really acquitting himself on that end of the floor. And that, is allowing him to stay on the floor despite the fact he can't hit a three. Like I said, like I said, the Laker Tom <laughs> he can't hit a three to save his life right now. Yeah, no, he's definitely struggling in that shot. But yes, like you said, it's allowing him the opportunity to focus on other essential parts of the game that are going to keep you with playing time. Um, it's going to keep you on the court and keep you on the court during important moments, like uh, uh, like you know, in the fourth quarter, down five points, down ten points, whatever the, the number is. It's going to keep you on the court, being able to make defensive stops. Um, which is something that a lot of people don't want to hang their hats on anymore, but it's just as important as making offensive plays as well. Saying all that to say, these two games against the Clippers and against the Bucks were very, very statement-driven games, right? And like you alluded to earlier in this uh, episode, like you alluded to or like you spoke about during the last episode, it's human nature to naturally have a letdown. At some point, you've got to come off the high. At some point, you've got to come back down to... uh, regular uh level i don't know what you want to call it but you tend to look at the brooklyn that's and see a team that's not on your level right and and i don't think anybody is putting that mildly i don't think anybody um would say that that's a slight to brooklyn because brooklyn is just not they're not at that level right now um so i think it's natural for a team who has playoff aspirations, who has championship aspirations to look at different games throughout the course of an 82 game season and have different moments where you can kind of take your foot off the pedal so to speak i think the lakers did that against the brooklyn nets um and i think that in doing that they i'm not super concerned about that loss it's kind of just a okay they lost it's a slap in the face get it back right and and get back on the road i don't think anybody's going to really hang their head on that loss but i'm from the mindset of if i see a team you know in my kobe bryant mamba mentality if you will i just want to take you out move on to the next one take you out as quickly as possible and not really play games with you Everybody's not built like that. And these Lakers aren't built like that, so to speak. And it's it's okay. It's not the end of the world. I don't like it, but it's 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 just one game. I'm I'm not gonna what we did this weekend was far and above what this one loss meant. I don't think it means anything. What I do want to highlight is that I, I feel like LeBron should have still took the last shot. I don't think he should have gave that shot up. But right. it's shame he missed that layup. That was just yes. a gimme. Yes, it was. It was. And the fact that he missed that layup was was mind-boggling considering the fact that he never misses that layup. But, you know, it happens. It, it happened, and it is what it is. But you get him in a seven-game series, that, that I'm not I'm not concerned about that. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where – 
Here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Well, there is a lot to look forward to still with the Lakers. I don't think with a loss like this that they should seriously, unless it happens, unless it falls into place, unless Giannis Antetokounmpo continues with this injury longer than what they want, or they want to hold him out longer, and Milwaukee continues to you know struggle, although feasting on that Eastern Conference once they get back from their West Coast trip should probably alleviate a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, that the Lakers, if they go ahead and get right back on the horse, so to speak, and win against Houston mm-hmm. and you know get back right on right where they left off, then it'll just be like, like you said, just a blip, just a momentary yeah. blip and nothing to be concerned about. What I'm worried about is when I see those type of games, that there's not that extra and this is where those arguments those pundits come out you know there needs to be a consistent third guy and like we had talked about in the earlier Mm -hmm. part of the season Mm -hmm. that's where that comes into play where you just you know lebron and ad are just doing okay or not as okay as they normally do right and the rest of the team is just not performing up to snuff that's where you need that one extra guy to come up and say you know i'm gonna give you 20 right Mm -hmm. now Mm-hmm. And uh, they just don't have that consistently on the team. And in a playoff series, you may or may, may or may not be able to mask that or hide that fact because you're playing LeBron and AD 40, 45 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. But there is going to be that point in time where you need some of these role players to pick up a little bit more consistency. And I, I know that's the big concern among Lakers fans is, who else is going to pick up the slack when it's needed? I mean, if this is a one-game blip. I'm hoping that that's the case, and I'm thinking that's going to be the case. But still, when they have these type of momentary blips against mm-hmm. Brooklyn, against mm-hmm. Orlando, mm-hmm. you know, the, these type of games where they they should have won, mm-hmm. it just seems to me that you know they they those type of things, those type of flaws, those type of warts stick out even more. They they do and and it gives that those pundits and those analysts a, t- a chance to say aha I told you so I told you guys need a third option that's going to be able to give you 20, 25 points a game such and such such etc. It's not a surprise the Lakers do need that consistent option. I just feel, and this could just me being the Lakers fan that I am, that the Lakers are a lot deeper than people give them credit for being, and that they have a lot more to offer than people give them credit for having. You know, you, again, you look at a performance like Avery Bradley had. I don't think anybody anticipated Avery Bradley going off the way he did. Um, I also don't think anybody anticipated Patrick Beverly's play dropping the way it's been dropping as of late. I mean, it wasn't just that game that he's been having issues. His minutes have been on a steady decline for about the last uh, two months now. It's it's been it's been a little weird. But saying all that to say. I'm not concerned. Again, unless they start having consistent games where they're losing to teams on a regular basis, they've got this East Coast trip as you mentioned coming up that they're gonna should be able to 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 feast and 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 get their get their fill and uh, kind of get fine tuned ready for these uh, first round of the playoffs coming up. Um, 
so I'm not concerned about it, but unless they start, you know, dropping a couple more of these games, uh, I don't see them dropping the game against Houston. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I don't think it's been any secret that I'm not, I've never been high on Houston. Um, I'm still not high on Houston. I've never been high on Dan Tony. Still not high on Dan Tony. Like I'm not concerned. James Harden, I'm I'm not, I'm just not concerned. Uh, Westbrook, I I'm just not concerned. This this is just not a team that concerns me. Um, as far as anybody after that, you know, we'll still we'll still look to see. Uh, Denver could pose a bit of a a problem. Um, I think Murray was robbed on that dunk the other night, but that's a horse of another color for right now. Um, and then you got Utah coming up in back to back games, uh, followed by Charlotte, Detroit, Toronto. I I don't see. They should be eating pretty good for the for the remainder. They should be eating pretty good for quite a while now. Well, let's hope that's the case. And again, it's a momentary blip for the Lakers as they did fall to the Nets. They do have Houston coming up, and Houston has been, you know, they are after an early season, you know, uh, actually an early uh, eight game winning streak that they, you mm-hmm. know was really riding high, and Westbrook was playing at a level that a lot of people had said he had never reached before, even in this MVP year. And a lot of people were talking about how well uh, they were playing and the small ball was working. Then they hit the skids with four losses in a row. It's very hard to figure them out if the small ball is actually going to work out. Or, you know, I, I, for me, I think it's all about matchups. Who mm-hmm. they need to match up against is who they're going to either prosper or fail against. I think the Lakers will eventually figure out Houston. I know they didn't the first time around that they, they debuted the small ball type deal, but. I, I think at some point in time that they will figure it out. I think it's going to start on Thursday. I think they're going to go ahead and be more motivated, especially what happened on Tuesday with the Nets, that mm-hmm. they're going to go ahead and be able to to pull this out in nice fashion. And you're right. They go back out on the road. They've got several games, including uh, games against Utah in the near future. They're yeah. doing actually a back-to-back uh, with Utah, one home and one away. And then mm-hmm. they've got several road games after that. So, I'm looking at that perspective that the Lakers will go ahead and close out the season strong. But I, as I was talking about with Laker Tom before we hit on to more serious issues, and that is this, the thought of going after the, the overall best record and also the you, know, you weigh that against the rest that you should be giving LeBron and AD and some of the maybe more injured or more fragile members of the Lakers team right now. What are your thoughts on that? Should they be going all out for the NBA's top record? Should they be going all out for you know home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs, or should they be more mindful of what they're doing? I think they should, especially the fact that you know LeBron's in the 17th year, AD is fragile, you know to say the least. We've seen him already several times this year get like owies, and we're like, oh my, you know, my goodness, um, he could be out for two weeks. Uh, he's actually has been out for two weeks when he when he fell on his derriere, so to speak. Yep. Yep. So, so I want to hear your thoughts on the balance between, you know, going after that best record and maybe leaning on the side of load management, for lack of a better term. You know, it. it, it I have to be really careful uh, with this because I've always maintained that if you're able to play, you should play. Um, that's just the mindset that I've always had. That's the mindset that I've always, uh, respected, uh, from the NBA, from the players in the NBA, the, the Michael Jordans and the old school players, the Kobe Bryant's that had this mentality of, if you got the ability to go out there and perform and play for these people that have paid their money to see you perform and play, then you should, you should be out there and, and continue to give out the best possible product because these fans are filling your stadiums to see you perform. 
But if the fans are not coming to see you perform, if the fans are not filling the stadiums, if you're just playing for the sake of playing, if you're just playing for the sake of record, if you're just playing um, because it's another game on the calendar, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I still feel like you should. If the fans are not going to be able to come see you play, um, which is obviously something that we'll kind of get into or we're alluding to a little bit later on, the fans are going to get to come see you play, then I don't know if I have that same level of desire to have the best players playing uh, every game, if the fans are going to be able to come out there and watch you do that. Because that's kind of what this boils down to. If I'm a fan, I paid you know, $60, $100, whatever the amount of money I paid for this ticket to come out there and watch you perform, then you should be out there performing. That's that's that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, and I feel like that's the way a lot of the players are looking at it, especially with some of the comments that LeBron had made uh, earlier, last earlier, week. earlier last week in regards to playing with fans or without fans in the stadium. So if you're there, I feel like they should be playing. Absolutely, because that's what these people are paying their money to see. But going into what we're we're going to be discussing, uh, if fans are not going to be in attendance for these games, then I'm not as high on our star talent who we're going to need in the playoffs to be putting themselves on the line like that. I'm just being honest. No, that's that's a great opinion right there for you. And I, I completely understand that. And LeBron's actually his he was very initially reluctant to say uh, he said he would clearly not play in a game where there's no fans last week. Mm-hmm. That was his mm-hmm. tone last week. Mm-hmm. But understanding, I think he he actually sat down and took a look at it a little bit more seriously about how effective this coronavirus is in, in its spreading. Uh, you know, that for lack of a better way to describe it, it's very effective in the way it spreads right now. I mean, mm-hmm. at, as of this, uh, you know, recording, we're talking over 100,000 people have been affected worldwide. And over 4,000 people have been killed. And the mortality rate right now is substantially higher than this, what it is with the common flu. I mean, people have been saying right and left, well, the flu kills more people. Yes, but more people have been infected with the flu each and exactly. every year. It's all about but the percentage. The, yeah, by percentage, the mortality rate, by percentage, the mortality rate is substantially higher right now with this coronavirus. So that's why it's a serious issue. And we've heard the we've heard the stories already about how one person can not only get not one, not two, but you know, in in New York they're talking about one individual could be responsible for as many as fifty individuals getting mm-hmm. sick. So you hear mm-hmm. these horror stories, and you you see all these cancellations, and we're getting into this now about the coronavirus and how serious it is, because the I know today earlier today as we're recording this. The, the people responsible for the health district in South in San Francisco have you know coordinated with the mayor and things of that nature to to deem that you cannot be gathering in anything larger than 1,000 people at this point in time. So shortly thereafter, Golden State Warriors complied with that request and is saying from now on for until further notice, there's not going to be playing against you know any home game that they have. Which right now I believe, from what I remember, was seven games left. If I mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, are not going to be playing against uh, you know with any fans in the arena as they're playing, which for them is a big hit because mm-hmm. they are the leading revenue generator because their fancy new arena, upwards uh, almost four million dollars per home game for them. So they're you you put, you do the math. They're going to be out if they for the rest of the season up to twenty eight million dollars. So that is substantial. I mean, and you talked about 
the financial implications to everybody that works there, everybody exactly. that's related to working there, mm -hmm. and everybody that is in the surrounding area that benefits from those home games. So that is a substantial amount of, of money that's being lost and the revenue that's being not generated at that point in time. Sure, it's still going to be on TV and all that, but the, the fiscal impact to that city alone for the San Francisco you know, and area that's there is going to be, you know, it's terrible. It's going to be terrible. Mm -hmm. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for the NBA, because going forward, we're going to see more and more cities talk about Cleveland's been talking about it. There are other cities in New York, Miami, LA, a lot of these cities already have started uh, that process about possibly considering doing the same thing. So I want to hear your thoughts. You, you wanted to talk about this at length yeah. in regards to the seriousness of this issue. I'm welcome to always talk about this subject because it is very, very important that people know that that this is some serious stuff that's going on. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, we can talk about this subject from a multitude of different angles. You know, we could talk about as far as pop culture cosmos, you know, E3 was just canceled. Yeah. Um, we, we know Coachella was just canceled. Was just canceled. South, was just canceled. South by Southwest, uh, exactly. the music fest in, in Florida, yes. you know, yeah. Tons of this stuff, and and this is a real thing. So to to go back to one of your earlier uh, comments in regards to LeBron, I absolutely think LeBron took a very uh, very knee jerk reaction approach to it, almost almost very similar to a a Donald Trump esque response when it was just a knee jerk. Nope, we're not going to do it. I'm not going to have any part of it. Very defiant. Gonna, yeah, very defiant. Which you know what I, I I get it because the truth of the matter is this: when you play a game of basketball and you're playing it at a high level the way LeBron James and the rest of the NBA play it at. You know, you feed off of the fan energy. You feed off of the momentum of the arena, which is why, you know, when we talk about things like if they're going to play and try to maintain home court advantage, it's actually a very important aspect and a very important guide or, or building a, plan, a strategy, if you will, to playing a game of basketball. Having that team, having that crowd behind you erupt for shots, you know, that gives you the adrenaline, that gets your blood pumping. You know, there are going to be certain aspects to the game of basketball that are not going to be present because there are not going to be fans in the arenas for these games. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy <laughs> happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. So you really kind of change the dynamic in which you're playing the game at when you do things like have games without fans or have games in, in in situations that you are not typically accustomed to. So I think that it's going to be extremely difficult for an NBA player to adjust to playing the game of basketball in silence. Um, and what I mean by in silence is there's not going to be an arena filled with fans chanting your name or screaming MVP or things of that nature. Now, we've all played pickup basketball at a YMCA where you can still hear People in the gym talking, and you don't think about it, but or the squeakers uh, squeaking—that's going to be yeah, very surreal. Squeaking. Absolutely, so it's going to be a weird thing, and then you're going to have these TV analysts who are used to making comments and you hear the 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 effect of the crowd. I can always think about hearing Marv Albert talk or attempt to talk during moments of such hypeness that you can't even get words out because it's it's just so loud in the arena. 
um, those are going to be weird. Being able to feed off the energy of the crowd is not going to be there. So it's really going to be an interesting thing to see. Um, it's going to be an interesting thing to navigate for an NBA player. I know I'd have a difficult time doing it, and I don't play NBA basketball, but I can only imagine how difficult that's going to be not being able to feed off of somebody else. Now, in regards to the financial ramifications, as you kind of already uh, alluded to, yes, there are going to be a lot of people who are affected by this. Um, what I was listening to earlier today was, and I didn't get the entire clip, so it might be out of context, and that could have been why I felt the way I felt at that moment. But he was referring to the players having to take a, a, a hit due to this as well. And what I'm hoping that he was referring to is down the line and not right now. I'm hoping that he was referring to, you know, in the next season or the next two seasons, players having to adjust their uh, salaries based on a salary cap changing based on the amount of income that they have coming through uh, their revenue. What I'm hoping is he was referring to is that what I'm hoping he was not referring to is the fact that these players have to uh, take a pay cut now because these fans are not going to be filling up the arenas because they're not allowed to do so. Um, I love the collective bargaining uh, aspect of the NBA. I love the way that they are engaging with each other. Now the, the players union versus the owners. Um, I think Adam uh, Silver has done a remarkable job of keeping the lines of communication open at all times and not allowing there to become a bit of a stalemate um, in the way that sometimes his predecessor, um, while he would try not to, he would try to avoid that. It happened uh, under his watch. So I, I commend for what he's done uh, in saying that to say, I think it's important that these players understand that, yes, you sign contracts that uh, say that you're going to get X amount of money. You sign a contract saying that I, LeBron James, are playing for the Los Angeles Lakers for X amount of money per game, et cetera, et cetera. These contracts were based on the fact that there's a certain amount of revenue that you're going to be bringing in, right? So when the circumstances change, should the contract change as well? Well, Yes and no. And here, here's why I say yes to no. The players are still out there playing. They're still out there performing. So if they're still out there doing what they're supposed to do as far as performing and playing the game of basketball at a high level, then you should still pay them accordingly. Now, I understand that the wordage is, is probably something along the lines of, um, you know, the, the certain amount of revenue that the teams bring in and that unless the players are getting something based on the back end, on the back end of their current contracts or their current year based on the revenue, then no, you have to play the players. You have to pay the players exactly what you say that you're going to pay them. Because I'm sure there's insurance for things of this nature where you have moments where, you know, that's what insurance is for. I don't know the intricacies of that. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't even pretend to know the intricacies of the ins and outs. But I will say is that businesses and business owners have insurance policies. These insurance policies, I have to imagine, range from things like fires and... <sighs> earthquakes and other natural disasters well hold on not all these insurance policies for instance like uh with south by southwest mm -hmm. their insurance policy was not covered so they're mm -hmm. out no, okay well fair that, enough this uh the coronavirus was one of the things that was not covered i'm sure going forward they will make <laughs> sure that they will be more prepared yeah. but yes it's all dependent, I think, on the insurance carrier and, and exactly. the foresight when you sign those insurance policies was a, a disease, you know, a pandemic, as it's mm -hmm. now being called by the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. covered under the uh, covered under said, said policy. But in the case of South by Southwest, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. 
Yikes. Yeah, that's just like me not getting flood insurance in Florida. It's like, okay, well, you know, this is something that you should probably get. You live in Florida. You might want to consider flood insurance. I, I mean, you've got, you've, I mean, most of these have covered like act of God, like you're talking about, you yeah. know, as far as some weather, nature, things like that nature. But you don't think pandemic. Pandemic is one of those ones that like, it's like you check that box, it's, uh, you know, up until now, check yeah. that box it's like way on the end because the last time you had anything close to this was SARS in 2009. So you don't think anything like that's going to no, happen. You don't, you don't, you don't allow your brain to go that way. And even with SARS, it was as serious as it was, it just didn't affect the world the way that this is seeming to affect the world. Um, so I, I just, I, it's a slippery slope. I really feel like the players' contracts are going to have to be renegotiated or they're going to have to have some type of um, injecture saying, hey, look, the revenue has changed considerably after the uh, the goings-on in China uh, last season and now currently with the revenue that's being lost now due to the coronavirus, you know, these contracts are going to have to be renegotiated. Um, I feel like the players should be willing to accept that. Um, but I also feel like it comes a point in time where the owners have to say, okay, well, I own the business, you know, so – as the owner, I'm going to be the one to take that hit. You know, I'm the one that that signs these contracts. I'm the one that uh, ultimately uh, I'm the boss. So it should be up to me to take those hits. And if we have a contract signed, then I should not necessarily be allowed to just automatically adjust your contract due to it. You know, there should be a, a grace period and time to kind of get everything set forth and something that is agreed upon with the, the players union. And it can't just be a universal. I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do because I'm the owner that you start getting very, very dangerous. You start doing things like that because now you just you just open the door to be able to say, well, when certain things happen, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it shouldn't be, I don't know that that's the, the verbiage that's in the contracts again. I'm not that guy. That's not my uh, that's not my area of expertise in any way. Um, I just know that at some point in time, the human aspect of it, there's got to be a give and take between both the owners and the players. And I'm hoping that um, cooler heads and uh, humanity wins in this sort of uh, situation well let's hope so my friend because it is a very concerning time if you're not taking this seriously i i, I would i would beg you to reconsider at least thinking more about the things that you do in your daily life because mm -hmm. this is some serious stuff i think in my opinion this is yeah. you know and i'm sure you agree with me on that this is some, you know you you as, as someone who you know as deals with this each and every day, yeah. you know, working where you work, uh, you know, at Costco and all that. I'm just going to say this out now, right now for the public. Um, it's some serious stuff. People are there and they're very, they're there. And people make jokes about how everybody's lining up at Costco and things of that nature. And I just experienced it today just before mm -hmm. we came on the air, mm -hmm. but people are, you know, they're no longer making jokes about it. Like they were last week. They're concerned and they're scared and they're, they want to do what they can to protect their families. Absolutely. I think the growing joke is that people are, are lining up their panic rooms with toilet paper, um, which, you know, I, I thought that was funny because, again, one of the first things that we ran out of was was toilet paper and water, obviously sanitizer, um, Clorox disinfectant wipes, Kirkland brand disinfectant wipes. Those are the type of things that we ran out of quickly uh, due to the panic buying that's going on through, through consumers. Um I would venture to say this, that I think even at first I'm guilty of not really taking it as serious. I'm considering the fact that it's uh, symptoms are very uh, similar and symptoms to the flu, uh, similar to a common cold. You know, it's one of those things that I didn't even really take as seriously at first. Um, however, 
as we've seen recently with Italy being shut down, as we've seen with the cancellation of a lot of major events um, that go on uh, every year, you st- it starts to become a little more real, um, even so real to the fact that um, in Lombard, Illinois, you know, where I used to live, they just had to shut down a school for, um, you know, a, either a day or a couple of days. I'm not 100 percent sure which one it is, because somebody that was there had tested positive for the coronavirus. It was one person. I think it was a visitor, um, but they ended up shutting down a school because of it. Um, and that's a little close to home. Obviously, my family living in Illinois, um, that's extremely close to home. So. I understand the severity of it. I understand the seriousness of it. You know, people still come into Costco and they joke about the fact that everybody's bought up all the toilet paper. Where look, there's a there's a certain thing that's happening here where a lot of things are going to start shutting down. I have to imagine that the airports, especially the, your major metropolitan airports and your cities, these things are going to start getting real barren real quick uh, to the point where they might end up having to shut them down completely. I'm, I'm looking at a O'Hare. I'm looking at a. Uh, uh LaGuardia in New York. I'm looking at um uh airports in Atlanta, airports in Miami, Orlando, things of that nature where you're gonna start seeing the numbers dwindle and dwindle. Oil is gonna be at an all-time low as far as uh how much it's costing us right now because cruise lines are not using oil because they're not going anywhere. Airlines aren't using oil because they're not flying. Like we're gonna have an abundance of oil all of a sudden because we're not consuming it in a <laughs> quick enough. Because nobody's going in there. People aren't driving. People are scared. People are staying indoors. Um, I think people are just kind of preparing for the inevitable um, from the standpoint of this is going to hit home. I, I have to imagine with the 14-day incubation period, can you imagine the amount of people that you come into contact with in two weeks working retail, working uh, any place where the public is going to be, the amount of people that you come into contact with in two weeks is insane if you actually stop to think about it. If you look at door counts through a Costco, through a Sam's Club, average door count for a Costco could be anywhere from uh, 200 to, you know, three, 400 people an hour or every half hour. So if you think about that concept, if you think about that idea, and if you do that math, that's a staggering amount of people throughout the course of a day. And then you do the math on top of that and you take into account how many people that is per week that you've come in contact with personally. It's a, it's a scary, scary, scary number. So one person truly does have the ability to affect everybody. This is just, it's mind boggling, my friend. And, uh, you know, I know we, you even joked ourselves, you know, the Armageddon is here, but it, you know, I don't say the Armageddon's here per se, but yeah. this is some very, very serious stuff. And, it, you know, hopefully you're out there doing what you can to protect your families out there, mm-hmm. especially if you have older individuals or people that are very could be very susceptible to it or have have pre-existing conditions. I think that's the the, the highest uh, area of concern for people that that, you know, could contract the disease. And, you know, I think that's probably why all these these you know, organizations, all these events, all these organizers are saying, you know what, we don't want to put the general public at risk like this. So we're taking the steps necessary in order to go ahead and just, you know, try and try and avoid this all possible, no matter what the financial loss is, because you don't want to be the place or you don't want to be the event that could cause a widespread disaster of, exactly. of, of any, uh, 
I don't want to say biblical proportions, but any disaster of any, uh, you know, uh, health issues like this that, that what's going on. Because we've seen just going to a church, just going to a synagogue, just going to, uh, you know, a convention, just going to uh, even a smaller event where there's only, a, you know, a thousand, uh, five hundred thousand people that alone can affect a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it, just imagine what a sporting event or an E3 or a South by Southwest or a music fest in Florida or anything like that could actually do if they had actually gone off as planned. Exactly. Um, it's just the, the numbers again would just be astronomical as far as who you can affect, who you can see, who you can touch. And the way that this virus is spreading and the, the manner in which it spreads is the way it's transmitted through um, droplets and moisture through a cough, a sneeze. Um, it's just, it's, it's scary. And you know, it, it's one of the other things that I joked about uh, a little bit earlier in regards to, you know, this pandemic has taught people how to wash their hands. Um, but in all seriousness, you you think about how often you wash your hands. You think about how often you spend 20 seconds or more washing your hands. And I wash my hands for just about every for, for everything. Any reason I can wash my hands, I'll wash my hands. But I don't think I ever paid attention to exactly how long I washed my hands. And I'm just being that's just me being honest. Um, while I always wash my hands, I don't think I ever thought about that. I do it for 20 seconds. OK, that I do it for that. I scrub under everything that I scrub under my nails that I scrub like every inch of my hand that I do it. And in, in, in focusing on that now, I see how dry my hands have been. I can see how how I didn't take that seriously while I washed my hands. I didn't wash my hands every opportunity i got so as little things where we joke about you know people need to learn how to wash their hands but in all seriousness people need to learn how to wash their hands and how to do so effectively and not just wash their hands in the way they just had to say okay i washed my hands we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the lakers fast break podcast Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films who the CDC have always, these have always been in place. These, yep. these rules have always been there. It's always that every poster at every job has always said, wash your hands for 20 seconds, at least vigorously hot water and soap. But how many people have actually done that on a consistent basis? Or did they just wash their hands enough to say that they did it? Now it's great. A lot of people do. <laughs> I see you raising well, your I'm hand. Just, I'm just saying That's because awesome. I, I'm well known amongst my family. And I was mocked actually before all this stuff happened as being the germaphobe. Yeah. As someone who would always in church, you know, after, you know, greeting everybody and saying, peace be with you and all that stuff, immediately run to the restroom and just wash his hands for, like you said, 20 seconds. And I will yeah. count the 20 seconds uh, that because I discovered it about a couple of years ago, as far as from the CDC requirements, I'm like, maybe I should go ahead and do that. Uh, I'm, I'm the sanitizer. I was always the sanitizer guy. I mean, you look in my van right you know, right now I've got the sanitizer and the lotion all right there. It's been there right. for, uh, you know, for the past few years because my hands are so extremely dry and cracked mm -hmm. because I do sanitize because I do mm -hmm. wash all the time and I don't use enough lotion. Shame on me for doing that. It's just, it's something that I don't want to say I was preparing for this. I just want to say uh, it's just who I was and who right. I am. And, I, you know, I was mocked by other people for doing it 
now everybody's like, okay, maybe you take it more seriously. And it's not like I'm doing everything perfect because I know I'm not doing everything perfect on trying to keep maintain myself and my hygiene. You can always do better. And even if you're doing that, you're just minimizing the odds. You're not eliminating right. the odds. You're, right. you're just doing what you can to try and reduce the actual chance of you actually contracting the virus. I can still contract the virus tomorrow. You, We could be standing next to each other and you could have the virus and you could be breathing on me within you know, a period of a three meters or six feet. Mm-hmm. And I, boom, I got it. And no matter how many had washing, I mean, that's, you're just trying to do what you can to prevent the, exactly. you know, everything you can to, from getting the virus. That's all, you know, I just, yeah, I was just trying to do it to, to chase away the flu and get cold. Cause I don't like getting the flu period. Right. It's, no right. one does, but I'm like a very bad, you know, page. I'm, oh, help me, help me. <laughs> you know, yeah. did you say you just had the sniffles? Yeah. But, uh, I feel bad. <laughs> I'm going to die. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's me. That's me. Absolutely. But, and I've but, always been the type that, it, that I, I never, I'm a big baby. I'm a big baby. Well, I'm, I'm probably a big baby too, but I can say I've never had the flu. I've never experienced a flu. I've had a common cold and I, I get sick probably once every six, seven months. Like I, I just don't get sick very often. Um, it doesn't hit me the way it hits a lot of people, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, I've never had the never experienced the flu, which I'm also very, very grateful for. This does put things in a new perspective for me from the standpoint of I've got to be more vigilant. I've got to ensure that I'm doing the things. And again, me doing the actual counting of the seconds. Like I just, I never thought about that before. I never really dawned on me to count for 20 seconds as I washed my hands. I was still wash my hands with hot water and, and as hot as I could possibly stand and, and still wash them. But it was never a 20, 30 second count. It was just, okay, go in there, wash your hands and and, and get to what you got to get to. Um, So it's just, it's, it's reinforced a lot of things for me personally. Um, I have to hope that it's done a lot of that for a lot of people in general. And it made you really look at things as simple as washing your hands and taking it to a whole nother level as far as making sure that you're doing it the way it should have been done from the beginning. So shame on me, but I've learned. <laughs> and I'm even learning more as well to how even protect myself and, and hopefully protect my family even more. And here's hoping everyone out there does start to take this more seriously and, yeah. and does what they can to try and you know stay healthy because all we want is the best of health. So you can continue to listen to us right here at the <laughs> Lakers Fast Break podcast. And just as an update, the NBA has officially suspended the rest of the season due to the issues with the coronavirus. So we here at the Lakers Fast Break will keep you updated on what's going on. They're calling it a hiatus as of now, but there are no games being played from this point forward. So be sure to listen to future updates from us right here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast. But my friend, before we head on out, we're going to get back on a good note. We're getting back on a cheery note because we're going to play a little game. And Because I was thinking about you last week when I was thinking about this when uh, Kenny Atkinson got fired. Oh. And I was, actually, it was actually the day before uh, Kenny Atkinson got fired because that came out of the blue. And I did not know that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with this guy and all that because I thought, you know, he was a decent coach. He had you know, gotten an underachieving team to the playoffs. I thought he was right. actually good, you know, because they were having, right. this year they weren't performing well, but they're all injured. So, okay, let's give it a year with Durant and Irving right. before we go ahead and say, you know, Bon Voyage and all that. But no, they said Bon Voyage a lot sooner for him. I wanted to play a game of, of hot seat, uh, you know, as far as the coaches. Are, are they on hot seat or are they not? Are they going to be fired or are they not? So we're going to go t- through a list of the coaches that are out there in the NBA. And you're going to give me your opinion 
on this. And I actually was thinking about this before Kenny because got fired. Uh, and I was going to say he was good for at least another year, but so much that I know. But I'm going to go ahead and do this game with you as far as NBA coaches on the hot seat or not on the hot seat. And we're going to go ahead and start with the Eastern Conference first. So, all right, my friend. Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to go in alphabetical order in each conference. Lloyd Pierce of the Atlanta Hawks. On the mm. hot seat or not? Ooh, Lloyd Pierce, Atlanta Hawks, hot seat. I'd have to say not hot seat, um, considering the fact that I, I, I just – who they have as far as talent wise, I don't know if they were that I don't think they were really expecting to um to make a whole lot of waves as I pull up the standings now. Um I don't think they were expecting to make a whole, whole, whole lot of waves. Uh they're sitting way, way, way behind, uh, 33 and a half games behind. So I'm not seeing them making uh, any real noise. Obviously, I don't even see them making the playoffs. Um, but I mean it's the Eastern Conference. I guess there's always still a chance, but I don't know. Uh, I'd have to say I don't think he's hot because I don't think they really expected much of him um, or that team. Now, going into the future with, you know, Trey Young being what he is, I I see them starting to want to gain more traction. But right this moment, I don't see that being a hot seat, no. I actually think a lot more was expected by the team out of them, especially with Trey Young going into his second year. I actually Mm. think that they were thinking that they would be stealing maybe the eighth seed from the playoffs. Uh, that's what I was feeling at the beginning of the season. That was the vibe I had that they were thinking about that. Obviously, it's taken a turn for the worse. They have been playing better, mm-hmm. but depending on his situation, I think his seat is a little warm. I will give it that. Yeah. A little warm. A little I warm. give you lukewarm. I give you lukewarm. How about right. that? <laughs> right. Okay, we'll go with that. Brad Stevenson, uh, Boston, I'm going to say he he's good at least for another year. Yeah. Uh, his team has, I think, performed a little tiny bit better than expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have a good core there. I think the the hot seat should be more on Danny Ainge for not building an even better team because they've had for so many years this treasure chest of, of so many picks and assets and things of that nature. Yeah. I think going forward, I think you're going to see more pressure put on him than Brad mm-hmm. Stevens if they don't get to even a higher level, i.e. number one, number two spot in the Eastern Conference and become an NBA title favorite because they still have a lot of assets and that young core to go off of. But they're not always going to be young. They're not always going to want to stay in Boston if they don't think it's going to work out. So, you know, for me, I think that seat is okay for now for Brad Stevens. But I think the seat will be eventually become a little bit warmer for Danny Ainge if they yeah. don't get to that next level, that championship level, which I think they should be getting to. Yes. I mean, they, they have all the earmarks for a team that that should be at that level within the next one or two seasons. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you. That. I think Brad Stevens' seat is cool. Um, to 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 go to go if we're gonna go hot seat on. I think his seat's cool, cool to cold. I'm not concerned about Brad Stevens. He had a over a ten game winning streak at the beginning of the year. Um, he had another six to seven game winning streak towards uh the beginning of this uh beginning of the first of the the NBA season. He had the ten game winning streak or eleven game, and I think at the beginning of this year, 2020, he had about a six or seven game winning streak. Uh, from uh j- late January all the way up until about mid uh mid February. So I'm not concerned about his seat. But as far as what you mentioned in regards to Danny Ainge, his seat should be boiling. Uh, they've been playing this game with Ainge for a long time. Uh, I'm excited that the Bulls are finally starting to make some headway as far as moving some presidents and some stuff like that around because they've been playing that game for a long time too. So Danny Ainge should be well in the hot seat. Well, well, 
well in the hot seat. But Brad Stevens, no, nah, not so much. I mean, you have you, you you did to his credit, he made a lot of moves to get that treasure trove of of hold all these assets. But there was big trade after big trade done by other teams mm-hmm. that he could have definitely been a part of, yep. and he chose not to. So I, you're, I agree with you that that yep. seat's going to that seat's warm right now for Danny yeah. Ainge, and how warm it gets is going to be dependent on the Celtics the next two seasons. Agreed. All right, the next one on our list is Brooklyn and Jacques Vaughn. I mean, he just got his first <laughs> win as head coach last night with the Lakers, so he's the interim head coach. He doesn't have exactly the greatest resume in the world because he didn't yeah. have exa- a great tenure in Orlando, I believe it was. I'm going to say his seat's very warm, very hot right now because, yeah. and I think they're just going to the team if Brooklyn is really going to get, you know, keep KD and and Kyrie happy. They're going to get a coach that they want, and I'm not sure Jacques Vaughn is going to be that guy. At least I haven't heard anything to that effect. That's this long time. No, um, <laughs> if we're being honest, Jacques Vaughn's seat is probably boiling hot. He's not going to uh, – the, one, there's no turnaround this season, uh, so this is what it is. Uh, Kyrie going out with injury, obviously Kevin Durant not coming back this season at all. Um, no, his seat's hot because I, I don't think you're going to have a Kyrie or a Kevin Durant who wants to play for uh, a Vaughn. So, no, I'd agree with you. Um, I think his seat's – actually, I, I think his seat's hot, hot. Like, I don't think there's anything he can do to save that position, to be honest with you. Like He's Buster just there for the, It's hot, hot, yeah, hot. Yeah, hot, hot, hot. There's no – you're not saving that spot. Sorry. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, next on the list is James Borrego from Charlotte Hornets. I think his seat is cool. I think his team at times has overperformed during the season, a team that actually lacks anything resembling talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for him to go ahead and have this kind of team right now, they're – they're 22 and 42, which on the surface doesn't look good at all. But I was thinking that they had one of the worst teams in the NBA. And right now they're playing, I think, at a level that's a slightly above uh, what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and say his seat is very cool. And he's uh, he's going to be around for at least, you know, at least another year or two, I think, uh, without having his his seat judged at all. I think he's doing a good job right there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in that regards. Being two spots behind for the uh, two spots behind the eighth uh, playoff spot, I don't see him going anywhere either. It's another underperforming team, and I, I don't know if they really expected much more. Uh, losing Kemba Walker um, to not really gain a whole lot of anything, um, I think that he's probably performed admirably, if not a little bit above what was expected. Um, so yeah, I'd agree with you. I don't, I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, now, in regards to uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah, it's just not his thing, man. I, I love MJ. I love Mike. Uh, he's such a business. He has such an Aquaman business wise. That's just incredible. Um, I just don't think he's the greatest evaluator. And I think it's hard because being a former player, you look for certain traits. Um, but he was also a former player of a bygone era. Uh, it's not there anymore. It's not that type of NBA. It's not the type of league. So I just don't think he's got the tools necessary to really put a team together. I don't think he's just built that way. Uh, some people have it and some people don't. I just don't think he's got it. So the coach, no, but Mike. Uh, exactly. And then Mitch Kupchak, he's got a very mixed yeah. path with the Lakers. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, his first years there were very good. He obviously engineered the Paul Pal Casal trade. 
then it went downhill after that. <laughs> Every, uh, the thievery that was Pau Gasol. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I don't know. The the seat's very good right now for James Franco. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. Jim Boylan, Chicago Bulls, that guy's roasting. <laughs> that guy, unfortunately, you know, he is just – if Zach Levine can give, you know, any more death looks to him, uh, you know, during the course of a game, it, it'd be unbelievable. But, yes, I, I don't think he's going to last. If he lasts, then the long-running, uh, you know, uh, GM, Paxson, and, yes. you know, the the – that those are going to those guys are going to go. I think they've been given way way more slack than they, they should have <laughs> yeah. been given. They should yeah. have been out a long time ago. Yeah. The management company, you know, re, re management team behind Chicago, they should have been out a long time ago. And I think whoever comes in to replace them is going to probably let Jim Boylan go as well. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. I've mentioned this, not on this podcast, but I mentioned this with a couple different people before. I think you have to kind of burn it down and start from the beginning, start from the ground up. Um, I think you have a talent like Zach Levine who was just absolutely wasted, um, wasted in Chicago. He's not happy where he's at. I mean, I think he's happy with Chicago, so to speak, but I don't think he's not happy at all with the coaching staff. He's not happy at all with where the team is at as far as winning, um, where the team is moving towards in regards to if they're getting better or worse. Chicago has been rebuilding uh, since Jordan left, really. I mean, they've had great, great moments in regards to Derrick Rose and um, just great feel-good moments, but they've been mediocre at best outside of a few years with Derrick Rose and uh, ever since Jordan retired they just haven't gotten back to that level and it's sad it's sad because as Chicago win uh, I love the Bulls I, I I do love the Bulls while I am a Laker through and through as far as I believe purple gold I was born in Chicago so I have a certain affinity for my hometown Bulls but uh, to be honest with you they've been losing more in my lifetime than they've been winning so I can't really <laughs> I can't really uh say anything more than they uh, Jim Boyne has got to go Gar Pax has to go there's just a lot that needs to change that front office that that starts from the top up and works its way down to that coach yeah Jim Paxson Gar Hurd and Jim Boylan I think are all gone during yeah. the summer I hope so I do <laughs> okay and it's something that makes me scratch my head JB Bickerstaff who got bumped up after the coach got fired at Cleveland Cavaliers I, I understand they've been playing better but here is a situation again that you and I have talked about in the past with Rob Palenka. Mm -hmm. You have some short-term success, so immediately you got to think, "I got to sign this guy." So JB Bickerstaff, who has had some success with Cleveland Cavaliers, even though his own track record in the past as a coach is very limited and not very, very good, or record-wise, he was given an extension. So he, the interim tag came off him, and he was given an extension. So obviously, it's very cool at this point in time, but. Should have been that cool. Should you just wait until the end of the season and evaluate whether or not he's the guy for you long term? Uh, well, yeah, you should have. Uh, that's definitely something that should have happened. Uh, why they chose to do that, I just don't. 
I don't get it. People just have really short memories or are really short attention spans. And they just don't pay attention to those kind of details. Um, but no, Bickerstaff, uh, he should not be there. But the question is, if his seat's hot or not, the answer to that is I don't think it's hot. I don't think it's hot because I think they had a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think well, they'll be paying for three coaches if it was hot. Yeah, they'd be paying they're, for three. They're exactly. paying for two Tyron. currently. Yep, they're playing for Tyron. And who was the other one? Um, well, the coach from Michigan, the one that just left. Oh, right, 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 right. right. The, 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 the thugs, right, the thugs yeah. coach. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, if they're still paying for Tyron Lute, so they are paying for three coaches. Yeah, they're paying right? for three coaches right now. Oh, my yep. gosh. So, no, I I just don't – with them paying for as many coaches as they're paying for right now, uh, they have almost a starting lineup of coaches under their payroll. Uh, no, I don't see a seat being hot. I think they're going to be sticking with Bickerstaff for a little while, uh, rather deservedly or not. I don't see him going anywhere uh, just because of the financial uh, predicament that the Cavaliers have found themselves in post-LeBron. Post-LeBron. That's all you need to say. <laughs> It's tough, man. You can't have you can't when you coach somebody like LeBron, uh, he brings so much attention to your team and, and it makes winning so easy that you look like a, a great coach when, you know, you might not be a great coach, but you had LeBron. So he made you that much better. I don't know. Exactly. Well, what can you say? What can you say? Uh, what can I say now is <laughs> that uh, Dwayne Casey and I, you got to feel sorry for Dwayne Casey. I mean, he got Do kicked you? out. I Do think so, because, you? you know, you're the guy that took your team to a playoff run, a very good team, and you're gone. The team's mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. They get Kawhi, mm-hmm. and they win a championship, and you're <laughs> not there to go ahead and, and, you know, reap the benefits from your own teachings and your own, you know, it just it seems like you were the equation that mm-hmm. was uh, the reason why that they didn't get to where they needed to get. And in exchange, you go to Detroit where you're suffering and <laughs> suffering. And I'm just going to say his hot, his seat is very hot right now. His seat yes. is very hot. And you just got to feel sorry because he doesn't have talent. And the talent that he does have, you it's know, hurt. Blake is hurt. Blake Griffin <laughs> is, is no longer the player he once was. You know, he went even when he's on the floor and Andre Drummond just wasn't a fit for whatever it is you're doing in today's NBA. I mean, they've got some nice young talent, but uh, Dwayne Casey, I don't think, is going to be coaching them much longer. No, and that really well, – what that really boils down to is just an unfortunate set of circumstances um, because he's a, he's a legit he's, – he's a, he's a serviceable coach. Um, I don't think he's on the high end of the spectrum, but I certainly don't think he's, he's a bicker staff bad as regards to coaching-wise. Um, but the truth is players play. Um, and coaches coach and unfortunately he just doesn't have the personnel to really make any big big splash in the uh in this current iteration of you if you will of the nba um so yeah i would agree i think his seat's hot deservedly so no but i think his seat's hot anyways yeah i think so as well yeah nate mcmillan indiana pacers i mean it all depends on your expectations for the pacers i'm gonna say he's gonna be given another year how about Mm -hmm. you Yep, yep, I, I would agree with that. I think they're pretty much in line with what you expected them to to hit. I think obviously, I think Indiana wanted to be better than what they were, but the truth be told, if you look at their roster, it's just not. There's nothing on their roster that suggests elite level in the Eastern Conference. And will Oladipo ever get back to the the level that he was before his injury? That's very questionable at this point in time. He's yeah. not even come close to that player since mm-hmm. he's come back from the injury and. You know, we'll give it. I think we should give it at least another year. I think, yeah. we, you know, if Oladipo 
maybe have a summer of rehabilitation to get him going again. Maybe he can catch that fire, but we'll have to wait and see. And I, I think Nate McMillan deserves another year in the, in the chair. So. I do too, just for what he was even able to do back in Portland uh, in the, in his time with them. But, you know, you look at the situation like with Victor Oladipo, like you alluded to, he's not the player that he was prior to injury. And it makes you wonder if it's a matter of him not being that player because he was injured. And now he has seen life after basketball. Like, you know, he's become a record. He's he's put out like a, a mixtape or a, a, a rap album or something. And you can see he started to catch interest of in things outside of basketball. And it makes you wonder if the injury forced him to start looking at life in a different perspective or a different prism and starting to think about what happens with life after basketball. Or if I can't play basketball, you know, what do I have to fall back on? Um, it, it just kind of makes you wonder where his headspace is at. But uh, yeah, he's not even close to who he was prior to injury. And I, I don't know if he's ever going to be. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he has the same desire. To be honest with you, I don't know if he has the same interest. The next two are pretty easy. When you got uh, Eric Spolstra, who's a lifer in Miami, <laughs> yeah. he's doing a pretty good job in Miami. The team yep. is exceeding expectations. Then you have Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the team might cl- you know, close out with 65, 67 wins. The only thing is, if it ends up like his tenure in Atlanta, where they won sixty games. And I think it was a year later, or they started to go ahead and sell off. If Milwaukee starts to sell off assets, if they don't hit the the heights that they they need to, or the owner says you're spending too much money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. maybe two, three years down the line, his job may be in jeopardy then, similar to what mm-hmm. it was in Atlanta. But right now, he's got to yeah. be looking pretty. So yeah, he's not going. He's not going nowhere. He that 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 dog ain't going hunt. He's fine. Yes. <laughs> But then we come to the New York Knicks. Hey. Mike, and, if, you know, Mike Miller, I feel sorry for him because he might be just this blip that, you know, just like, you know, he might be forgotten about in the annals of New York Knicks coaching history because, you know, just, you know, nobody knows really who he is and, and, you know, how good a coach he is. And I don't think you're going to be able to find it out long term, the Knicks. I mean, they just got in someone else to run the basketball yep. operations, Leon Rose. Yep. yep. And I don't think that he's going to go ahead and put in new GM and without putting in a new coach uh, alongside of it. So as long as Dolan stays out of the way, which you know is not going to happen, uh, I think Mike Miller is going to go ahead and be out and because he is very hot simply because of the fact that, you know, he's got a job that pretty much at this point in time nobody wants. Mm-hmm. But somebody with a whole bunch of money is going to get come next season. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, is if I'm if I'm Dolan, I I wouldn't let him go per se. Um, I don't have to pay him a lot of money, and I'm com- clearly not ready to be a contender. Um, I wouldn't let him go personally. Um, but you know, it's all about high profile. Exactly, it's all about high profile. And again, we're talking about Dolan. So, yeah, he's 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 gone. Hot seat or not, he's hot. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's no that's through no fault of his own. So. No, it has nothing. He was just he he's very similar to uh, um, uh, the guy taking over right now in the other team we just talked about. Just he yeah. just happened to be there. He just yeah. it just you just were there. Sorry, there buddy. You go. One, one, <laughs> one minute you're holding the clipboard, and next you're telling you're told to go ahead and run the team. It's like I was okay, <laughs> but but if you're holding the clipboard. Essentially, you should be preparing just like if you're uh, a bench player, you should always be preparing to take over that starting spot at any given time. So, um, yeah, he should be ready. But truth be told, he's just not high profile enough to be the next head coach. Next on the list is Steve Clifford. And 
I think he is on the hot seat for two reasons. Okay. One is that Orlando's had two very mediocre eighth place, a sub 500, one round, uh, and they're gone type scenarios. Mm-hmm. And number two is his health. Uh, he was recently hospitalized. Uh, and I think that this is not the first time I think he's been hospitalized during his tenure as Orlando head coach. And I think it's just going to come to the point where the team maybe will work something out with him and maybe give him a place in the organization. Right. But uh, I think also as well, it's part performance, part health, I think, for the team overall, because that team is just – it's in that uh, defunctory zone. It's in that mm-hmm. uh, purgatory. Mm-hmm. They've reached that purgatory, and there's no way to escape unless they sell off some assets, because I don't think their ceiling is, should be any higher with what they currently have. But you know they don't want to do a massive sell-off, so they're right in this, in this purgatory area. And I think – uh, you know, the, the coach is usually the one first responsible for that. And I don't think he's going to be removed entirely or fired entirely. I think he'll be placed in another part of the organization simply because, like I said, the combination of the health aspects and whatnot. So I want to hear your thoughts on Steve Clifford for Orlando. He's not that he's done a bad job, per se. I think he's done as much as you can, really, with that kind of talent. I just don't think it's uh, going to be enough. I think it's almost going to be a we got to do this for you type deal uh, because agreed. I don't think that his considering the talent that he has in that team, he's done a bad job at all. I mean, still sitting at eighth in the Eastern conference right now. Um, your most high profile player is Aaron Gordon. Like, I just don't feel like he's done a bad job with the team that he has, but I almost feel like, as you mentioned, uh, health issues being what they are and the fact that they're going to have to start selling off assets to really even make a splash. Cause they need the, they need the money. Um, I think they're going to have to. Plus, again, I, I think he's got bigger things that he needs to focus on. And I think when you sometimes you have to do what's best for we, they talk about doing what's best for the player as far as, you know, hey, I'm going to sit you out because you, you need to sit out. Um, I think they might have to do what's best for him saying, hey, we got to figure something else out for you, because right now it's just you, you, you can't be what we need you to be because you're not you're not healthy. You know, you can't perform at this level right now Um, for whatever the reason is. You just can't perform at this level. So we need to figure something else out for you. Uh, So I think his seat is is pretty warm. I won't say hot yet, because, again, they are still sitting at eighth in the east. Um, Again, we're talking about the east, but considering his his team and and the roster that he has, that's 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 still pretty decent. Um, So I, I say it's I wouldn't say it's hot, but I would say it's pretty warm. I would say it's a little hotter simply the fact that, yeah, it's eighth and eighth, but look at their overall record, sub yeah. 500, yep. two years yep. in a row. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, well, actually, I don't know what they, they last year, I think they were just at 500 or right thereabouts. So, yeah, it's just, it's not, I don't see a point where they get a ton better right now unless they, they make some serious changes. And unfortunately, usually the, the, the coach, it's usually the, the first thing that goes. I think in the case he won't be outright fired, but I think he'll be moved. And like you said, it probably will be for his best interest because coaching on an 82 game basis yeah. does not look like it's going to be great for some. I mean, Tyron Lou, he had to take time off because of mm-hmm. his health. And you look at other individuals, and yeah, it's 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 something that if you're not physically up to it, it's it's not go- not best for you long term. So yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yep. 
there is someone else, though. Our next uh, person on the list for the Philadelphia 76ers, Brett Brown. <laughs> he He's sitting on a roasting. It, you know, if you could yeah. say it right now, he, he's just sitting. I don't want to say the, the seventh layer of hell type fire and all that, but it is roasting right now because the team cannot win on the road. The team has look has really underperformed expectations. I think uh, you know a lot of people were looking at, including yours truly, at the Philadelphia 76ers as a finals contender, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, that's nowhere near the case. You have Ben Simmons, you have Joel Embiid. They're they're like uh, you know oil and water right now. They're the way they're playing with you know when they are on the floor, even though both are injured at this point in time. When they're on the floor, there's talk about how they don't play well with each other, and you know I, I just think right now. It's it's a bad situation, and and I think that right now, the first thing that's going to go, and Elton Brand, uh, you know, the GM of the 76ers, <laughs> I think he's just ready to hit that eject button for Brett Brown. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when. Yeah, it's just – it's not a, been a good mix in Philly, huh? It just hasn't seemed to work with any of the personnel movements and uh, Jimmy Butler leaving. It, it's just uh, – yeah, yeah, Brett Brown is definitely on the roasting, roasting hot out the frying pan into the fire type hot seat right now. Um, and I don't even know if, if I could even really say it's so much his fault. Um, sometimes you have people that are better at melding talent and personalities and meshing that talent and personalities. And sometimes you have people that are just not that great at it. And truth be told, I just don't think that's his area of expertise. Um, and when you don't, when you have deficiencies in that regard, you've got to have people around you who can patch up those deficiencies and i just don't feel like he has the coaching staff that can um patch up those personnel deficiencies that he clearly is lacking in regards to how to make things work i mean you look even look at somebody like a if you think about larry brown for as great as he was as as an nba head coach he was not good at making personalities match he was not good with the Allen iverson he wasn't able to really reach through to iverson at a time where iverson needed that reach through so i don't know what it's about philly but uh, they can't seem to get their star players to ever act right in Philly as a head coach. So, I uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work either. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's gone, gone, gone for Brett Brown. Yeah, uh, man. Nick Nurse, uh, he is on ice. His, his share is ice cold, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, so, that's not, not even really going to detail <laughs> on that one. Scotty Brooks. Washington Wizards have played a little bit above expectations. Very good offensive team, horrible defensively. They're still ninth place in the in the Eastern Conference, so they're not. You know, they obviously don't have a very good record. I'm still going to say that they're going to look for a change just because to get some someone new in there. I think you know I know they're a notoriously cheap organization when it concerns head coaches. I'm going to say Scotty Brooks, even though he's done an okay job, because I thought Washington really didn't have much in the way of talent outside of Bradley Bill either. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that he's just going to probably be on the move as well. Maybe it'd be his own choosing, maybe to get another uh, spot somewhere else. I think you almost need to, uh, for the simple fact that they've they've still got almost like they have to move assets as well. Um, Bradley Bill's taking up money. Uh, John Wall's taking up money. Uh, I think you kind of need to, because the truth is the players are still going to play and they're still going to want to try to make money off of John Wall and Bradley Bill. They're going to still want to try to win off of those two, even though I think it's been proven by far that they just can't seem to do it together. I don't know 
sometimes the guards work great and sometimes the guards don't work great together. And I think those two just are shown that they can't that they can't do it. Um, but I think he's going to be another one that he's just the result of the fact that they need to start moving assets and start saving money where they can. Um, I think he's going to be one of those ones that is a result of that, unfortunately. And I like Scott Brooks. I like Scott Brooks a lot from his time. Um, he was the Milwaukee's head coach, Milwaukee Bucks head coach for a oh, while. Wasn't he? Wasn't he? Oklahoma City as well. Oklahoma City as well. Yeah. So I think Scott Brooks is a great, great, great coach. Um, but they're gonna they're they're gonna draw the they're gonna fall a sword somewhere, and I think it's gonna start with Scott Brooks. Let's get over to the Western Conference right now. I'm gonna go ahead and say that these first three are pretty easy to call. Rick Carlisle, the Dallas Mavericks, Michael Malone of Denver Nuggets, and Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors. Unless Michael Malone, uh, in the case of Denver Nuggets, have like they're swept in the first round, I, I think that all three are very safe in their jobs. Uh, it really comes down to Mike D'Antoni, who you know, you're know you not in love with at all. I know he's gone. You know he's gone. He knows he's gone. Everyone knows he's gone. It may not be for essentially for you know, 100% for coaching reasons, but his situation, the fact his extension was not renewed you know, before the season, it's just all points are signing that that he's gone either which way. And yeah, it just it looks like it's going to be a very funky offseason for Houston. Daryl Morey, if, as I told you before, <laughs> if Daryl Morey is, is stays there, it's going to be because Houston wins a championship. I don't think they won't win the championship. I think we pretty much established that they're probably not going to win a championship. And because of his comments on China and the way it affected the NBA, I think that Houston's just waiting for excuse to get him gone, yep. and Mike D'Antoni will be going alongside with it. You know... I don't have any love for Mike No D Antony. You know this. This has not been a secret. I have not made this not publicly known that I just don't. I don't like the guy uh, as a coach. Um, I just don't. I don't particularly care for him as a head coach at all. Um, I think that his philosophies um, are a bit radical. Uh, obviously, his eight second or less offense that he ran in uh, in Phoenix years and years and years ago against our lovely Lakers uh, was extremely uh, revolutionary at the time and was exciting. It definitely made their games fun to watch, but it's not sustainable. It's not a winning formula. And it's been proven time and time and time again, unless you have certain personnel uh, who are named Steve, uh, I'm sorry, not Stephen Curry and uh, Clay Thompson, that that eight second offense is just not going to, it's not going to do it. Um, you don't have enough talent to sustain and they're just not good enough. So, yeah, the thing is, I, I don't know if Houston's actually going to get rid of him. Unless well, like he doesn't have an extension, so he's a free agent. Yeah, he doesn't have an extension. Um, and yes, he's a free agent, but that they could typically be using that as a bargaining tool as well. Maybe his asking price is too high. I don't know. Um, but if I have any say so in it. Nah, he's done, bro. He's just the 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 product that he produces is exciting to watch. But if I'm somebody that's looking for our team to win a championship, and truth be told, Harden's not getting younger. He was never a super athletic player to begin with. Uh, Westbrook uh, is pure athleticism with a little bit of skill, uh, but it's just not meshing. And you have a player, you have a, a coach in Dan Tony who believes in pushing his players and pushing his players and pushing his players and you know okay we'll just get the ball inbound keep going don't don't mess up the flow of the game don't disrupt the flow don't disrupt the flow don't foul them it's just not winning basketball and if you're looking to win 
Mike D'Antoni is just not. If you're looking for exciting basketball, yay. If you're a young team that needs a, a coach, a head coach that's got a bit of a profile to him, and, you know, Mike D'Antoni is that guy. But if you're looking to win, he's just not – he's just not – that's not him. That's not him at all. Next two on our list are in L.A., Doc Rivers and Frank Vogel. You can say <laughs> they're pretty safe at this point in time. Uh, yeah. Taylor Jenkins has done a very good job at Memphis. They're they are playing well above expectations and yep. could – I think they're going to capture the eighth seed. I understand that they have the, the hardest schedule the rest of the way, but they are, I think, three and a half games still above the, whoever's next on the list. And I think they're going to do whatever it is they can to keep that eighth spot. I think – uh, I know New Orleans has been a favorite to go ahead to, to pass them by. Portland's, you know, with Dame Lillard and all that, you know, a chance to pass them by. But three games with about 18, 19 games left, that, that's really hard to go overcome. I mean, there would have to be a massive fail, even mm-hmm. with Ed, the Memphis playing the most uh, – the, the, the most the, – the, the hardest schedule, I should say – for the rest of the for us the season because you got to remember on the tail end if they are going to be playing a lot of playoff team on the tail end a lot of those playoff teams will be doing some load management mm-hmm. so if they've already clinched their position so mm-hmm. i think that they are going to get the eighth seed and taylor jenkins is one of the reasons why he's brought a, a great enthusiasm to the team i think he keeps his job his job is very uh, cool at this time as well oh yep you hit that on the head i think he's not going anywhere yep Next on the list is Ryan Saunders. I think uh, for I, I don't know. I, I think he's he's pretty safe to at least go another year. I think uh, he's going to be going ahead and give a chance uh, for Minnesota. Although there could be the mindset, oh yeah, okay, we got D'Angelo, we have Carl Anthony Towns, we got to go ahead and get somebody more experienced in the position. But I actually think they're going to give Ryan Saunders another chance. Yeah, you sure? I, I, I'm 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 leaning I'm leaning cool, but I wouldn't. I'm saying that with the with the within the context, I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised if a big name coach becomes available. Mm-hmm. They'll want to go ahead and attach him to to Milwaukee, uh, Minnesota. Oh. Excuse me. I, I'm I'm gonna ride with you on that one, but I, I I'm gonna defer to your your uh standing on that one I, I let's call him I'm... let's call ryan saunders a fail safe <laughs> okay fail-safe. okay all right fail safe copy yeah Just in case they can't <laughs> in the case somebody doesn't drop out of the sky that is you know like oh wow yeah. we gotta get this coach yeah uh, yeah they, they gotta be substantially better to upend his job yeah. okay i'll give you that i'll give you that I mean, and i'm not talking about someone like david fisdale you know take no this no you know and all that. that yeah i'm talking <laughs> about a real that. big name you know that that drops like, out. Like a of Phil sky. Jackson, if Phil Jackson drops out the sky, he might. Well, uh, you know. even among his contemporary coaches, if somebody you know, big name, <laughs> you know, uh, leaves his job, like your friend D'Antoni, if D'Antoni <laughs> leaves and is interested in the Minnesota position, mm-hmm. that then that might change the story. But yeah. hey, while we while we're talking about Dan D'Antoni, you remember. Kobe Bryant used to wear number eight. And remember he said that his reason was because his favorite Italian player was Mike D'Antoni. Now, I didn't hear that until Mike D'Antoni was his coach. Do you really think that that was his real reason for wearing number eight? Like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just curious. I'm asking. I don't know. I know he was a decent player in Italy. And, right. and Kobe was from that area, uh, you know, obviously with his father, when his father played in Italy on that team. Um, 
<laughs> I'm going to say yes, but with a very, very, uh, you know, hesitancy on that. I don't know. I was just curious. Just, it just inquiring minds wanted to know. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously for for tragic reasons, we can't find that answer out. Yeah, 100%, can't but, ask him. Yeah, so yeah, we just have to mm, leave it at that. Yep, leave it at that. Leave it at that. Okay, next on the list, we've got Alvin Gentry. And I'm going to say this. If they don't make the playoffs, Alvin Gentry goes. Uh, if they make the playoffs, he might be given another chance. I just, he, you know, he's a good coach. Uh, I'm not saying he's not a bad coach. Uh, I'm just saying he, with that talent on the roster, even with Zion being injured, mm-hmm. should not have lost as many games as they did. I mean, one individual like that, even though he's very good as a rookie, you should have had enough talent on that team, which I think they do, uh, to at least been at a higher level than they were before Zion came back. And I think that Alvin Gentry, if they don't make the playoffs, is going to you know is going to take the fall. Well, I don't know because, granted, you've got some names on that team, um, but I don't think any of those names have really been proven winners. I mean, you look at Lonzo Ball, you look at Josh Hart, you look at Brandon Ingram. Obviously, all those guys are former Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, but then you even look at someone like a J.J. Redick, who is not a journeyman of the NBA, uh, but really hasn't had a winning winning uh, season in the NBA in regards to just a, a high percentage. So if you look at the roster, the roster really doesn't complement Alvin Gentry. Um, so while I don't know if I agree that his seat is hot or warm or anything of that nature, I just I feel like he really hasn't had a sustainable team and a really sustainable blueprint or, or, or sample size that we can say, OK, you've had a legit uh, player in blah, 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 blah. And you're not winning. Right. Because, again, your highest profile player on here is Zion Williamson. But then after that, you go Ingram, Ball, um, J.J. Redick, uh, Drew Holiday, who we don't know if he's a combo guard or one. Uh, I just I'm not I'm not in love with that team. Um, And I feel like he's he's done okay with the team he has. But I just don't feel like he really has had an opportunity to really show his chops. They've got a lot of talent, but a lot of mixed mash talent. Yeah, it's like it's patchwork. It's patchwork. It doesn't fit very well. It, it no. looks great on paper, but doesn't mm-hmm. fit very well in a in a real world scheme. Yeah. So I just I just don't know if it's really it, it's not really his fault for that. You know, you, you got to coach with what you have, and I just don't feel like he's had ample team, ample time, ample talent to really do that. Well, one coach I thought would be gone is Billy Donovan, but he mm-hmm. has done a very good job with the team, and they're playing well above expectations. And they even have a bigger treasure trove. They've got a pretty pretty much the biggest treasure trove of, of assets and picks. And they've got ten like 10,000 picks coming up in the next decade or so. And, <laughs> you know, they are playing well above expectations. So I think his seat is, is not even warm at all. I think he's, he's uh, you know, right now, at least in the short term, he's looking very good at this point in time. Yep. Uh, completely agree with that one. <laughs> completely agree. He's good. I was surprised. I thought he was going to yeah. be gone. I yeah, really I thought, thought so too. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet.
Monty Williams, he just started there, so they're probably going to give him another mm, year. Got to pass. Yeah. Terry Stotts, Portland Trailblazers. Mm. Um, up and down. It seems like he has one great year. He has one not-so-great not year. One great year, not-so-great. It all depends on if Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I, thought, I think C.J. is probably going to be trying to be traded over the course of the summer, but it all depends on if Dame long-term wants to stick with Terry Stotts. I think that's probably the key factor. I think so too. And when you look at the talent that he has, as far as the Arizas, the the Dame Lillers, the CJ McCollum, the Hassan Whiteside, who has kind of shrunk since leaving Miami, which is really weird. Um, as well as your my my, my boy Mello, um, I just don't think he has really made this team into what they need to be. I think you've got a lot of talent. I, this is one of the teams that I think you have a lot of talent on. Um, I think you got a lot of talent, a lot of untapped potential uh, on this team, and I just don't know if he's the guy to bring it out of these guys, to be honest with you. It just doesn't seem like he's got it. So with this one, I'd have to I, – I would say his seat should be warm, if not warm, warm. There you go. Hot well, warm. Yeah. <laughs> he won't be cold right about now because his seat is no. pretty warm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty warm. Yeah, there you go. All right, Mr. Luke Walton, first year. Um, uh, they've played okay at times for a team that's had a lot of injuries, and some other times they just looked outright bad. Uh, I think the expectation was you had a team that was on the verge of the playoffs with their previous head coach. Then you fire the head coach and bring Luke in there, expecting a little bit better, and you got worse. Uh, I'm going to say still because of the fact that he is, is just his first year, he's going to be given yep. another shot. Unless Vlade is fired, which could very well happen. Uh, if, Vlade is fly, if Vlade is fired, then I think all bets are off. But I think right now he's good. Uh, man, I, I love Luke Walton. I really do. Um, but I so love does, him So does a, my wife, which always concerns me. But uh, but I love him as a Laker. I love him as a as a former Laker. Well, I didn't Laker. say she was. Uh, you know, I didn't say it was for as a former <laughs> Laker. I just you know, she used yeah, you know, he used to be like. Yeah, but okay, well, right. I am talking about me, and I right. love him as a Laker. Um, but here's the truth. The truth is, I just don't think he was ever that good of a coach. Um, I think he lucked his way into that into both those head coaching jobs in Sacramento and Los Angeles, um, having the Golden State Warriors be his team that he was the default coach of when uh, Steve Kerr went out with his back injury. I think that I could probably coach the Golden State Warriors as well as Duke Walton did uh, because you got the Golden State Warriors. You have the Splash Brothers. You have it was like 25 Green. You and had, three or something. Some yeah, I mean, yeah, it was an incredible record and it was great. But I don't think that that makes you a great head coach because of a team like that. I think what Steve Kerr has done in Golden State this year, um, keeping that team, obviously they still have the last, the the worst record in in, in the West. I think is the, uh, they're the worst record in the NBA or just the Western Conference. I know they're the worst record in the Western Conference. Who um, Sacramento? No, Golden State. Steve. Oh, Kerr. Golden State. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah so NBA whole NBA <laughs> in the whole NBA. So. I, I what what Steve Kerr has been able to do as far as keeping that team relatively stable throughout this rebuild year uh, is something to be said with Golden State. But Luke Walton, if he would have had Golden State's team, um, I don't think they would have been stable. I, I think they would have lost even more games. I just don't think that they would even be uh, a talking point. Saying that, I just don't feel 
excuse me, I just don't feel like Luke Walton was ever that good of a coach. I feel like he lucked his way into that position in LA. He lucked his way into that position in Sacramento. Um, he's he's the he is the definition of applying for that job that you shouldn't get and getting it anyways, even though you weren't really qualified for that job. He's the definition of, eh, I'm going to give it a shot anyways and see what happens. And somebody actually said yes. Um, so while I feel like his seat should be hot because it's just starting, uh, as you mentioned, I don't see him going anywhere. But you give this another year, or as you said, if Vlade is fired, yeah. All Bye-bye. bets are can be off. All <laughs> bets can be off. Yeah. Oh, yep. Well, our, our list ends here with two coaches that I think, well, one may not be so safe, and that's just because his, it's, it's his own doing. Uh, and that's going to be Greg Popovich, San Antonio, if he wants to turn over the reins. You know, he I know he's, he has another year left on his contract, but mm-hmm. he might want to go ahead and bail out and retire early to give it over to Tim Duncan. We've seen him, uh, you yeah. know, take a game off to let Tim Duncan coach. Mm-hmm. over the past two weeks here and i think that's not by accident i think mm-hmm. that's something for the future uh, i would have personally liked becky hammond to yep. be given that opportunity but it looks like tim duncan is going to be given that opportunity when greg popovich retires so we're just waiting to see when it is i think it actually could be starting this summer i think he is going to leave this summer. not something i know perhaps or Maybe because the obviously with the question of the coronavirus and the Olympics is concerned because I know he's going to be part of that as well. And mm-hmm. I just think at this point in time, you know, maybe enough's enough. And I think he might retire this season and not the next season after that. Well, if he's going to be here is not the same thing as if his seat's hot or cold. Well, no, his um, seat's, I think his seat's cold. cold. Yeah. yeah. His, yeah his, okay. All cold. right. So to he's answer a, your he's a lifer. Yeah, he's, he's a lifer. His seat's his seat's cold, 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 cold. The complete opposite of hot. Um but yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think the writing is on the wall. I think he is. Um, I think he's ready as well. I think we've seen him while he's always been very, very candid. Um, he's always been a very open uh, coach and just very opinionated. And um, he hasn't been one to mince words. He's not that guy that's politically correct. He's not the guy that won't say um, what he's feeling. And I've always appreciated that about him as a coach and as a, somebody that's admired his ability to keep a team winning for sustainability for as long as they have. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs have been the model of, had been the model of consistency for a decade, you know, decades, 20 years. Uh, they've, they've been the model of consistency. So I think it's time. I think he's earned it. I think it's, uh, I think it's fitting that it would be a Tim Duncan uh, that gets to that spot. I, I agree with you. I think Becky Hammond should, um, but to have been a lifer spur the way Tim Duncan was, I kind of, I kind of would lean more towards Timmy. Um, that call that the the Lakers effect as far as wanting to keep Lakers in office and Lakers in coaching positions and Lakers in high end spots on a team. I think Timmy's kind of earned that right. Um, we'll go on to see if he does in fact re- retire after this season if he's ultimately the best choice. But I think because of what Tim's done um, for the Lake for the Lakers for the Spurs organization, I think he deserves that spot. Well, last but not least is Quinn Snyder, and Utah has—I don't want to say underperformed, they mm. kind of a little teeny bit yeah. underperforming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've been hot and cold at various points of time of the season. Obviously, yep. Mike Conley, whether or not he's going to be the long-term answer as yep. much as everybody thought he would be because everybody thought, oh, yeah, they got Mike Conley. Oh, that's going to be a great fit. 
And for the most part, it hasn't, although he's been playing well recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quinn Snyder, if they don't reach a level where they think the team should be, I think his seat is warm at this point in time. Yep. I mean, I think you you pretty much nailed it. I think you said they've been hot and they've been cold, and you go right in between that and it's warm. I think that's where you see Quinn Snyder sitting as the Jazz's head coach. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they just, I think it's just warm right now. I don't think it's hot, though. I think he's just, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. He might be adjusting his tie a little bit. It's getting a little hot. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, he's got that slick back look, you know, so maybe it's become <laughs> all the, the heat that's coming down here. Yeah, uh, he does. Well, that's our list of the hot seat and not so hot seat for the NBA coaches out there. So thank you for participating, TJ, on that. To do that out at you at the last minute like that, and I appreciate you cooperating on that. Oh, yeah. uh, if you have your thoughts out there on what we talked about with the coronavirus, the NBA hot seats, the Lakers, their future, should they go after the NBA's best record and all that, let us know if you have any questions or comments on that. You can let us know on our YouTube channel, Lakers Fast Break. Let us know on social media, at Lakers Fast Break on Facebook. And you can also do it at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. Or you can send us an email, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. If you get a chance, check us out every week on Tuesday nights at 9, RTS Sports Network, the Discover Community Network. And then, of course, also well, you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you can, leave us that five-star review. It really helps us out and also gets us more aware in the eyes of Laker fans everywhere. But before we head on out, my friend, I know you're also affiliated when you can make it <laughs> on an appearance for Voice from the Underground. Let everybody know what goes on with Voice from the Underground because if you didn't and I didn't give you that opportunity, I know I'd hear it from a good friend, Jason Dutch. Uh, yes, Voice of the Underground podcast is, a, is an awesome podcast where we get to talk about all the fun things, politics, sports, pop culture, movie references, which I guess fall into pop culture. Just we really kind of talk about anything because it's our show and that's what we do. I, alongside with Jason Dutch and Big Kaz, uh, have a great time kind of talking about a lot of things and we can get a little preachy. Uh, because we're all very, very passionate. Uh, all three of us, for various different, for various reasons, um, have our own areas of expertise. So we're all very, very passionate about those particular areas. So um, they make for some very, very spirited conversation. Uh, we have a lot of great guests. Gerald has been on multiple times. He's kind of, he's kind of the unofficial fourth member of Voice Me Underground, the podcast. Oh he no, don't you affiliate with me? He just, <laughs> he just doesn't like to do it. But no, he's it, like the unofficial good. fourth guy. Uh, so uh, I just appreciate any time I'm on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Absolutely, but um, you know, we always have a great time. I really enjoy getting to be able to do that with those guys. And I think one of the great things that we've had through Voice Me Underground is we've we've developed a great friendship. You know, we were all associates before we all knew of each we all knew each other through roundabout way we knew somebody that knew somebody that knew each other so while we were all familiar i think we've developed a great great friendship and i think that's the part that's most fun about that is uh, getting to do that podcast with uh, a great group of guys who has a great way of looking at things in life and and is not scared to to voice those opinions and is not scared to even i don't want to say backtrack but even have the dialogue to where they could be swayed. You know, if, if you can prove to me that I'm wrong, wrong, then I'm at least willing to listen to you. And I think that's the important thing. A lot of us, a lot of people aren't willing to even listen. And uh, with Voice from the Underground, the podcast, we, we while we do a lot of talking, we do a lot of listening as well. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Great, great podcast. And couldn't have asked to have done it with a better group of guys, to be honest with you. That is Voice from the Underground, the podcast. You got to catch it everywhere you can get your podcast. 
just listen to it to hear not only the great advice on cigars that Big Haas gives out, but when they talk about politics, pop culture, sports, whatever it is that's on their mind and topical movies, things of that nature. And of course, you could also hear it to hear actually Jason Dutch stress out over the course of a 90 minute point of time, you know, when he's talking to you, all of you guys and whatever great guests that they have on, including me. Well, I'm not so great, but guess, but you know, Come on. yeah, well, you know, but it is voice from the underground. You got to catch it today on voice, you know, wherever you get your podcast. And then also the pop culture cosmos on every Monday and Friday, we talk about the current events going on, the latest news and trends of pop culture. Obviously, coronavirus is there affecting pop yeah. culture. Just heard the NAB show. National Association of Broadcasters just got canceled as well. So we'll be talking about all that great stuff, both on and off concerning the coronavirus and all that when it comes to the pop culture cosmos every Monday and every Friday as well. All right, my friend. This has been an extra special long episode. I didn't even know what was going to happen. I'm glad you came and you said, you know, hey, I want to talk. I want to talk now. And I want to do it right now. I want to talk all the stuff that's going on out there. And also the scary stuff, too. It was worth it, my friend, because, Amen. you know, anytime I get a chance to sit down and chew the fat with you, whether it's Lakers or any of those these topical issues, it's always great to hear your insight. And I look forward to doing it again real soon. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate the time. And thanks for being so available. Because yeah, I was like, ooh, I, I need to, I need, I need to talk to Gerald. I gotta talk to Gerald right now. Well, that's <laughs> what I was asking. Let me know when you're ready. I will try to make myself Absolutely. available. As yeah. long as I'm not in line at Costco to yeah. get into Costco. Well, I'll tell you what. You just saw him. TJ said you had to go, and they'll hold your spot. No, they'll tell me who. <laughs> He's at what store? All the way in what state? Man, screw exactly. that guy. Where? Exactly. So you wait in the back of the line. That's what I heard so many times. No, the back of the line is way over there to get in the store, to wait for the water, wait for the yeah. TV, wait for the paper towels, wait for this, wait for that. But in all, in all honesty, while, while Costco may be notorious for having long lines at times, Costco is is known for getting those lines down quickly. So while you may be in a line, you're not going to be in that line a whole long time. Like Costco, our, our, our cashiers are very, very efficient at what they do. Yes. Um, and they're 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 awesome at what they do as far as getting you in and out as quickly as possible. And believe you me, when we see the long lines, it makes us just as not irritated, but just as hungry to get you guys out as you guys are hungry to get out. We don't want you sitting there giving us the death stare all afternoon. So we want you guys going home too. I wish I could say the same thing when I'm at Disney World, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, it's a different story. But they're not as hungry to keep me out of that line. No, they want you there. Wait. Yeah, they want me there all day long. <laughs> Laura, my friend, it's been great talking to you. Can't wait to talk to you real soon. A lot of Absolutely. stuff going on this week. Obviously, the prospect of the Staples Center being empty at some point in time real soon could be a very real possibility in all NBA arenas for that matter. We're going to be talking about that. And plus, you know what? It's also going to be March Madness in some semblance with or without crowds. Most likely. Is it though? Uh, Is it March Madness without the okay. crowd? Okay, like, let's call the NCAA tournament. How about that? Let's call it the NCAA okay. tournament. Then. All right. All so, right. I, I, you know, if that comes around and you're able to come on next week, right after the, the tournaments take place, I want to hear your thoughts on exactly who you might, you know, might, are leaning towards. Because this year has been very good for college basketball fans, in my opinion. Because the fact is, it's been a, a you know not just one big favorite. It looks like Kansas, but it's not a huge, a tremendous favorite. It looks like it's been a, a more wide open race than than most other years. So I like kind of like that aspect. Okay. All right. 
all right, you might be on to something. Now, I, I, I'm going to need your help, though, because tomorrow is the day that these wisdom teeth come in. So I'm going to need your thoughts. I'm going to need your prayers, bud, because this is... Uh, not going to be fun. I hear you. I'm not looking forward to this. Okay, so I, that's right. So I would tell you what, I will give you the chance to get some rest. Let's give you a couple <laughs> weeks off here. But, uh, you know, my prayers are with you. As I said before, I'm just, yeah, my man. thoughts are with you, especially with everybody also out there as well. Stay healthy. Uh, we're, we're thinking about you. TJ, you know, my best to you as well. The, you know, as someone who experienced what you're about ready to go through, and I experienced it in November. Yeah, fun times are not ahead for you, my friend. I'm yeah. just going to i play it real at you, my friend. Sorry. Right. I appreciate it. I'm a tough cookie, though. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> well, all my best to you. And then don't try the family nuts. They, you know, just do what you can to, you know, try and get yourself better. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, come back here real soon. As soon as you can. Oh, absolutely. Please. You're yeah, always absolutely. welcome back. As, as the main man, I just want to hear your thoughts again coming up soon on the Lakers and going forward with all the ever-changing stuff that's going on in the world. <laughs> we'll be talking more about that when you're ready to come back onto the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.